No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll see that after forgiving his people, the Lord renews his covenant with them. He also writes a second edition of the Ten Commandments. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 34 on Simply the Bible. I heard the story of a church that was looking for a new pastor. And so they had one come to try him out and he preached a sermon and everybody thought, hey, that was pretty good. So they said, let's have him back next week. And so he came back again the next week and preached the same sermon. Well, the elders got together and talked and thought, what is going on with that? Well, let's just give him one more week. So he came back again. And on the third week, he preached the same sermon a third time. Well, this time they pulled him aside and said, look, you told us this sermon the first week, then the second week, now the third week, what's going on? And he said, well, when you guys start doing it, then I'll stop preaching it. I think that would sort of lead into what we see today. Because after the children of Israel made a golden calf, it was evident they didn't get the message the first time. God would renew the covenant with them again. Now, Moses had seen the goodness of God pass before him as the Lord proclaimed his name. And he asked the Lord to go with them to pardon their sin, and to take them back as his inheritance. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. In response to Moses' petitions, the Lord would renew his covenant with Israel. This was like the renewing of marriage vows. From God's perspective, the worship of the golden calf had been an act of infidelity. After such a breach of trust in a marriage, it is a good idea for the husband and wife to renew their vows and renew their pledge of love one to another. The Lord began with his part of the covenant. Moses had asked that God's presence go with them so that it would be evident to all that Israel was his chosen people. The Lord promised to do marvels such as had never been done so that all the Israelites would see his awesome works. He would go before them and drive out the inhabitants of Canaan. Was it not God's prerogative to displace whom he would to make room for his own people when the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? Verse 12, Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. 
lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods. And one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice. And you take of his daughters for your sons, and his daughters play the harlot with their gods, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. Now, their part of the covenant with the Lord was not to make any covenant with the people of Canaan. God knew that if they did this, then it would ensnare them. Instead, they were to destroy the pagan altars, break down their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. These wooden images were often pornographic and designed to sexually arouse. Temple prostitution was associated with the worship of these idols. Also, pagan festivals often involved eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. All of this was strictly forbidden to God's covenant people. Likewise, as God's new covenant people, we are not to get involved with images that would destroy our lives and relationships by destroying our vision of Christ. In addition to making a covenant with the Lord, we ought to make a covenant with our eyes to make them instruments of righteousness and not instruments of sin. The Lord is a jealous God. Some people have a problem with that. But I can tell you that if my wife had eyes for another man, then I would be jealous. And I know that if I had eyes for another woman, she would be jealous. You show me someone that isn't jealous if someone steals away their spouse, and I will show you someone who doesn't really love their spouse. We jealously guard the people we love. Now, there is a jealousy that is selfish, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a jealousy that fights for the person we love because we know that the worst thing that could happen to our relationship would be infidelity. And that is the way God was jealous over his covenant people. God knew that if the people made a covenant with the Canaanites, then one thing would lead to another. They would soon prostitute themselves with other gods by eating of their sacrifices and committing sexual immorality. They would intermarry with the Canaanite sons and daughters, and it would destroy their spiritual life. Of course, that is exactly what did happen. Israel failed to destroy the Canaanites and instead made peace treaties with them. This led them to worship their gods to the point that God ultimately delivered them over to captivity by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Verse 17, you shall make no molded gods for yourselves. It is interesting that the two cherubim that were on the mercy seat in the most holy place where God dwelt among his people were made of beaten gold, but the pagan gods were made from molded gold. That's how the Israelites also made their golden calf. The world molds gods to their own liking, gods that accept their practices. But we worship the Son of God who was beaten for our transgressions. We don't mold Him according to our liking. We come to God on His terms and accept His commandments. Verse 18, The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you, in the appointed time of the month of Abib, for in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was celebrated along with Passover in their first month of the year in early spring. 
It pointed to the pure and holy bread of life, that is, Jesus Christ. Seven is the number of completion, and we are complete in him as we partake of him as our sustenance. Verse 19, all that opened the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep. But the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Because God spared the firstborn of Israel when he took the firstborn of Egypt, then all the firstborn belonged to him, both of man and beast. The clean animals would be sacrificed as a burnt offering, but the unclean animals, such as the donkey, would have to be redeemed. The donkey would be redeemed with a lamb, or else its neck would be broken. No one was to appear before the Lord empty-handed. How good it is when we come to a worship service ready to minister to the Lord and to others. We come with our tithes, our offerings, and then we're ready to serve in children's ministry or as an usher or simply by just caring for the flock of God. But no one is to come empty-handed. We're not to come to seek to get some blessing, although we certainly will get a blessing, but we are to come to seek to be a blessing to the Lord and to others. No one is to come empty-handed lest we miss out on the blessing of joyfully serving. Verse 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. As we've seen earlier, the Sabbath law was the sign of the covenant that God made with Israel at Mount Sinai. It was never placed upon the church. According to the words of Christ, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It is blessed, however, to take one day in seven for rest and relaxation. For me, that would mean going fishing on my day off, but I don't think that would have been allowed under the old covenant. Too bad. Verse 22, And you shall observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, for I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. So three festivals in the year, the men were required to go to it, the first being the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the second being in the early summer was the Feast of Weeks where they would give the first part of their wheat harvest. And then in the September-October time of the year was the Feast of Ingathering. This was sort of like their Thanksgiving at the end of their agricultural year. So three times a year, all the men would come together. And God said, I will take care of you when you're gone. When you go up with the other men to worship me, I will see to it that the other nations don't attack you during that time. Now, each year, we do what we call man camp, where we gather our men, we go up to the mountains, we just spend a weekend with the Lord. It's an awesome time. But I'm amazed at some of the excuses that guys will come up with. Listen, if we will set aside the time to go be with the Lord, God will take care of 
stuff back home. We don't have to worry about some competitor taking our market share or something if we go and worship God for a weekend. But it is amazing to me how many different excuses guys will come up with rather than going away and worshiping the Lord for a weekend with God's people. Verse 25, You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And he's just reminding them once again of the covenant. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. That is, the Lord wrote on the tablets uh, with his finger. It is amazing that Moses could be there without food and water and yet be totally sustained by the Lord. But of course, nothing is impossible with God. Likewise, we are designed to be sustained by God. And we are at our highest potential when we are at rest in His presence. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377. That's 208-314-3377. Next week, we'll see that as Moses met with the Lord, his face shone brightly, but this glory soon faded. However, in Christ, we have an unfading glory. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Exodus on Simply the Bible. 